What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's U.S. Open. I cannot wait for this. We are in the stretch of an unbelievable run of golf. One quick thing at the top here. I'll be at Brookline. I'll be there Thursday through Sunday with CBS. I'll be doing live hits from the golf course, and I'd like to meet you. I've uh, I met a lot of you at Torrey Pines earlier this year. It was it was great to see everybody, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. So if you see me out there, say what's up. Come say hello. Come introduce yourself. Very much. Looking forward to it. Um, we're going to dive into all the data and all the things that you need to know for this week. And I'm going to use my website, rickrungood.com. I'm trying to build the largest database in the world for golf betting, fantasy golf, all things golf. So I highly encourage you to check it out. I love it. You will too. Other than that, lots of great content coming this week. I cannot wait for it. Let's jump into it right now. So before I even show you anything on my site, let's talk about the golf course here. The Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. It is a historic golf course that uh, you might know from the movie The Greatest Game Ever Played. Um, there's just It's just one of the earliest golf clubs that we have in the United States, and it's got such great history. Um, what you need to know from a... DFS perspective. And quite honestly, I, I went through and uh, a video that I released on Saturday, it's a tournament preview where uh, we deep dive the golf course. I take you through every blade of grass that I know about, but essentially for, uh, for the short of it is very, very small greens, right? These greens were actually expanded in recent years and now they're like 4,300 square feet on average. That's very small, second smallest greens in major championship history. So if you're hitting a lot of greens, you're doing great. Uh, a lot of guys I suspect are going to be missing a lot of these greens. They're Poana greens. And because they are so small, it brings more trouble into play. And also there's going to be a lot of guys who play from green side. And those are going to be some really tricky situations. The, the short game areas at the country club are not fun. They've got um, devious little bunkers. They've got the thick rough. They've got these things called chocolate drops, which are really just random mounding. And these random mounds, honestly, you could just, you're at the luck of the draw, right? Like you could have a, a downhill lie, a ball above your feet. You could be stuck in between two of these. It's just a really awkward situation and players are going to be put into those situations a lot. So I think you either need to hit a lot of greens or have an elite slash creative short game. We'll go through some of those golfers off the tee. You know, the, the blueprint for, for U.S. Opens in the last handful of years has generally been big, strong drivers of the golf ball. Brooks Kepka twice, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, John Rahm. Those are big, strong drivers of the golf ball. That's going to be important here at Brookline, but it's not going to be like winged foot. Remember what Bryson did to winged foot where all the rough everywhere was five or six inches thick, no matter if you were a foot off the fairway or you were 30 yards off the fairway. It didn't matter. You were in the thick stuff and it was all the same. And when everyone's playing out of the rough, Bryson wins. Well, not necessarily going to be the case here. There's a lot of like fescue areas. You can get into some, some knee high stuff. If you're, if you're more errant than your peers, um, it's kind of a rough piece of property there in new England. It's, it's more, 
it almost is going to resemble the, the roughness of an open championship more so than a uh, modern U.S. Open. So I don't think the bomb and gouge approach from Bryson DeChambeau is probably one uh, that most golfers are going to want to uh, run out there this week. And then, of course, on the second shot, listen, you you, you got to be really precise or just have an elite short game. It's um, The scorecard is a par 70. It's like 7,200 yards. Let me pull up the actual card here. So they've got this listed on the media site as uh, 7,254 yards, yards, 35 going out, 35 coming in. Par threes are number two, number six, number 11, number 16. A couple of these par threes. So number two is very long. The members play that as a par four. That'll be 215. There's one at 192. There's this really awesome drop shot par three, number 11, 131 yards downhill, probably a flip wedge for most of these guys. And then 16 is 202. The par fives, that would be number eight. 557 and number 14, 619 yards. 14 is a phenomenal hole. I talk about it a lot in the tournament preview. If you miss the fairway, it's unlikely that you're going to be able to advance your advance your ball to the upper tier of the fairway. It goes up probably about the final third of it, which is going to really create some interesting situations where you could have players who miss a green, have to lay up to like 200 yards on like a 600-yard par five. It's it's fascinating stuff. There's a lot of mental uh, challenges. There's some blind shots out there. It, it, it's going to be an amazing golf course. Again, if you want the full course breakdown with the tournament preview, that video was posted a couple of days ago. I'm going to pause there and we're going to go straight to the cheat sheet. The cheat sheet here at rickrungood.com. And wow, look at these names. Top of the board, Scotty Scheffler, 11,300 with Justin Thomas, John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, Cam Smith, Colin Morikawa in tow. Those are the golfers that round out the $10,000 range. They are in the $10,000 range for a reason. They are all very, very good golfers. We have to start splitting hairs here. Um, the way that I look at Scotty Scheffler, someone who's going to be able to make par from basically anywhere, that's going to be a skill set around Brookline. Justin Thomas has... A fifth place finish at the Byron Nelson, a win at the PGA, missed the cut the following week, not going to hurt him for that. And then he goes and battles it out with Tony Finau and Rory McIlroy, ends up finishing third at the RBC Canadian Open last week. Awesome stuff. Rory is coming off of that win. Cam Smith has played okay, got off to a really bad start last week, but but was able to figure it out. I skipped John Rahm. Because I want to show you something that's going on with John Rahm right now, our our defending champion. And uh, here are the golfer profiles, which, by the way, I've, I've updated. It's it's all the same data plus more data. And then also, um, now you don't have to scroll as much. So you can just kind of click through things. So hopefully this is a, a welcome update. So here's John Rahm here. And let's remember kind of what the conversation was around John Rahm earlier this year. Remember, he goes, he switches to Callaway and um, at the beginning of the year, and he starts to lose strokes around the green. Look at this. He loses strokes one, two, three, four, five, six weeks in a row. He doesn't have the putting that we once saw from John Rahm. Remember, John Rahm's got some of the best set of hands on the tour to see him losing strokes around the green is really, really concerning. But the good news is, you know, the ball striking has, has, has always been there. Well, what are we seeing now? John Rahm has quietly fixed the short game. He's gained strokes around the green in three of his last five, all three of those he's gained at basically two or more strokes around the green. The putter's been 
awesome, right? He's gained strokes in four, uh, four of his last five. The only event that he lost in was uh, the PGA Championship, and he lost less than a quarter of a stroke over four rounds. So we're certainly not going to knock him for that. And now he's starting to put together the things that we were worried about. He lost two strokes off the tee at the Memorial, which is critical because that ended a streak of like 40 straight events. I'm not kidding. 40 straight events dating back to the 2019 PGA Championship in which John Rahm gained strokes off the tee. So for the first time in what, coming up on three years, he loses strokes off the tee, still finishes T10. So what I'm kind of making the case for here is a golfer who had an outlier bad week, one, one in 40 shot at the Memorial in which he still was able to finish T10 in like the fifth strongest field of the year. And a guy who has fixed the only leaks in his game seemingly since the start of the calendar year, like uh, this should be a great spot for John Rob, shouldn't it? So I'll be interested to see, and we'll know more on the Wednesday live chat, 3 p.m. Eastern, Rick Rungood YouTube channel, kind of what the ownership is going to be on these guys. But John Rahm being in the middle of this tier where you've got cheaper options in Colin Morikawa and Roy McIlroy, who's coming off a win and he's cheaper, or you could go up and get JT or Scotty Scheffler. I do wonder what the industry is going to do with John Rahm. I think he's kind of the X factor out of this 10K range. I think Colin Morikawa is going to eat up a lot of the ownership at the bottom of this range, $10,000, you know, coming off a miscut at the Memorial, but I think people are just going to play Colin Morikawa, and when you start to inject a lot more casual fans into these contests, you're going to start to see that ownership for, for the popular guys go up. I do think Cam Smith could be rather interesting down here at the bottom of, of, of this range. So we can look at his golfer profile first and you can see, you know, the T48 at the RBC Canadian, like it doesn't look great, right? But he's got the win at the Players' Championship. He's got the win earlier in the year at the Tournament of Champions. He's got the third place at the Masters and a top 15 at the PGA Championship. But um, like, let's just look at this, you know, the la- outside of round number one, which was not good for Cam Smith last week. I think it was six over and I, and he didn't make a birdie, which I think might've been the first time in his career. He played around without making a birdie. Um, outside of that, he was pretty darn good. He had the eighth best score of anybody in that field over the course of the final three rounds. So I think the T 48 is being masked by, you know, what was a, a, a one really horrible round. This wasn't like three, fine round or four okay rounds it was one horrible round and three pretty darn good rounds so um i think that he's an interesting option as well despite the lack of success at 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 u.s opens but again i don't think this is necessarily a traditional u.s open i think he's a much better player now i think there's a lot of things trending in the favor of of cam smith so rom and smith kind of two guys that could potentially fly under the radar out of the 10k range which is hard because these guys are all stars like have my have my interest early in the week. Okay. The $9,000 range. Jam packed here. Let's just start with Jordan Spieth. $9,500. Uh you look at the power rankings. Last 20 rounds for everybody in this field. Jordan Spieth is number 6 uh in terms of strokes gained total. He is the first $9,000 golfer to appear. So, let's start there. Let's deep dive him as well. Look at the last 100 rounds here at the top for Jordan Spieth and you would think it's bizarro world. He's gaining a ton of strokes off the tee, even better on approach, even better than that around the green, and he's giving it away with the putter. That is not vintage Jordan Spieth. In fact, this is the worst putting season of Jordan Spieth's career. That's been been well documented. But look at what he's done recently. 
He's gained strokes putting in three of four. His most recent event, he gained five strokes putting at the Memorial. So I'm going to say starting to figure it out a little bit. With that, he's still driving the ball great. His iron play's been awesome. And we know he is one of the best, most creative players around the green. So when I look at this, I see a golfer who is putting it together at the right time. I see a golfer who has the creativity in every single shot. That's what I think you're going to need. You're going to need every shot around the greens. You can't have one shot around the greens at Brookline. Not with not with the, the, the situations you're going to get yourself in. So Spieth's got every single shot. And he might not need it because he's just hitting a ton of greens, right? Um, the other thing is, if you want to go like, just backdoor comp this to Pebble Beach, small Poana greens. Obviously, there's a million more things that are different about Pebble Beach than the country club. Um, but hey, let's just throw that in the mix as well. So we've got a bunch of things going in the favor of Jordan Spieth here. I think it's a really good opportunity for him. And honestly, I thought it was a really good opportunity for him six months ago when we did very early previews. I, I think that uh, Jordan Spieth was one of the guys that I liked at three or four different majors. It's just a really good year of setups for him. Um, Dustin Johnson, probably one of the hardest guys to handicap in this field. I did end up deciding to load the live golf data into the database since these guys are going to be playing. So the, the live golf stuff is in there, um, with, with the strokes gain, not the breakdown, but the strokes gain total. So you can see that for everybody. He finishes eighth in London. How do I reconcile that, right? How, how do I, is that, is that a good finish or a bad finish? He was by far the best player in the field. He finished eighth out of 48. Am I impressed or am I not? I don't know. So it's really hard to kind of handicap those events, but you start looking at the larger sample here. Um, well, last hundred rounds, DJ's lost strokes across the board. Um, you, you look at the results. Missed cut at the PGA Championship. T-59 at the Byron Nelson. Missed the cut at the RBC Heritage. Had a nice finish at the match play. Had a nice finish at, finish at the Masters. Had a top 10 at the players. That's really it. Um, I, I, you know, We can look at the splits or we can look at the stats. Let's look at the splits. I think the splits is probably something I want to look at here. Um, having the worst driving year of his career. It's still good though. Having the worst basically around the green year since 2015. Worst putting year since 2013. He's still very good. I just don't think this is the place to deploy him. Um, again, I think I think it's more nuanced than most U.S. Open setups, and I'm not sure the state of his game is all that good right now. Zalatoris has been an absolute monster in major championships um, and, and and tough fields. In fact, let's just let's just run that. So, major championship. We, we imagine this is going to be you know I don't know upwards of a 700, 800 strength of field, something like that, something fairly outrageous. Let's just plug in all the golfers in this field in tough fields. Let's call it 600 or more and see what we find. I bet you Will Zalatoris is very close to the top of the board. Yeah, so here we go. So this is dating back uh, last or back to 2018. So Rom, DJ, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Brooks Kepka, no surprise for any of those. Will Zalatoris is next, above Scotty Scheffler and Tony Finau and Patrick Cantlay. He's got less rounds than everybody else, only 59 of them at major championships. But my goodness, are the results good? Yes, they are. Actually, um, I should flip this over to buy tournament real quick. I had it by round. That was a little bit of an overkill. Okay, so here we go. So last, uh, going back in order of events, 600 strength of field or better for Will Zalatoris. Runner-up at the PGA Championship, sixth at the Masters, fifth at the match play. That make that means making it to the elite 
eight. Uh, 26 at the Players' Championship, T26 at the Genesis, T8 at the WGC FedEx St. Jude. He had to withdraw from the Open Championship. Remember, he hurt himself. He missed the cut at the 2021 U.S. Open, but played great. Like The ball striking was there for two rounds, right? It just he didn't putt well. That happens for Will sometimes. T8 at the PGA Championship, runner-up at the Masters. You, you get it, right? T6 at the 2020 U.S. Open. That's basically how he got his card. He started on a run there at Winged Foot and just never never looked back. So, um, you know, major championship setups are generally very, very good for Will Zalatoris. And clearly, when the world's best get together, um, he doesn't really blink. The other guy is Shane Lowry. And I bet you I can manipulate these power rankings to get Shane Lowry to the top at some point. Let's try the last 30 rounds for everybody in this field. Shane Lowry's fifth or uh Yes, fifth. Let's try last 40 rounds. I bet he's been a little bit better than that. He's third. Let's try last 50 rounds. Second. Can I get him there? Can I get him there? Let's try last 60. No. Let's try last 55. Yes, there it is. Last 55 rounds for everybody in this field. Uh, Shane Lowry, number one player. 2.14 strokes gained. There's only four golfers who are gaining over two strokes per round during that time period. But hopefully that exercise, me manipulating that, Shows, hey, listen, uh, you know, he was there, he was there at 30, he was there at 40, he was there at 50, he was there at 60, he was there at 55. Shane Lowry uh, has just been absolutely awesome. Let's go to his golfer profile. There's really just so much to like here. You know, he's coming off the T10 at the RBC Canadian. The ball striking's phenomenally. He gains 8.8 last week. He gains 8.2 at the other RBC event, the Heritage. Maybe he's an RBC guy. Uh, gained 11 at the at the Honda Classic. Like, he is very capable of gaining a ton of strokes in the ball striking categories, and he hasn't lost in any single event dating back to the Honda Classic. But what I like even more is this around the green play. So just his last five measured events, it does not include the Zurich Classic, last five measured, plus 5.6, minus 1.8, plus 1.5, plus 2, plus 3. The putter's been better. In fact, it was a little bit cold last week, and he still finished T10. Creativity, having a bunch of different shots, being able to get up and down, things that are critical at the country club are probably the best parts of Shane Lowry's game. And you're getting him at an even $9,000. Um, honestly, it, it, it feels a bit like a steal. As we get in the AK range, I want to start slicing this up a little bit. As we get deeper down the board, I want to start trying to find some trends and whatnot. So um, last 24 rounds of everybody in the 8K range, Sam Burns, number one, gaining two and a half strokes per round. Tony Finau is number two, the only two golfers gaining over two strokes per round. Matt Fitzpatrick's the only golfer, uh, the third golfer, gaining over one and a half strokes per round. So that's that's noteworthy. What I also want to do is I want to start doing like, um, let's do putting on Poana, right? These are, these are Poana greens. We haven't seen those in a couple months, generally more on the West Coast for the California swing. Let's just, let's try that. And then maybe we'll do small greens as well. Dating back to 2018, Strokes game putting on Poana Green. Sam Horsfield, technically number one. He's only got two rounds. Louis, who stays in number two, he played in the Live Golf event last week as well. What did he finish last week? Um, I don't think it was particularly great, but don't quote me on that. Jonas Blixt, Wyndham Clark, Patrick Rogers. We haven't found anybody in that 8K range yet. Okay, the first one is Max Homa. Max Homa's 8,100. He's like 10th in terms of strokes game putting on Poa. Uh, Daniel Berger is next in the 8K range. 
Tony Finau would be third in the 8K range, but he's probably like 20th or 25th in this field. Let me flip this around and look at um, just pure strokes gain total on small greens. We'll call small like 5,000 square feet or less. Yeah, there's that man, John Rahm. John Rahm, 97 rounds, gaining 2.3 strokes per round. Roy McIlroy's number two. Patrick Cantlay's three. You know, Cantlay and Burns are kind of in that category of, do you believe that they can't play in major championships? That's really the only argument because they've been phenomenal outside of those. Burns actually, I believe, just had his best finish at the PGA Championship. I think it was a T20. We'll look at that in just a second. But like the only argument against those two guys is is the major championship record. If you can get past that, uh, please do. Uh, Paul Casey has withdrawn, so I'll remove when when the when the field updates. The final field gets updated. Um, probably a little bit later on Monday, I will, I'll remove Paul Casey. Justin Rose is in here. He's coming off a 60 on Sunday last week. Patrick Reed, look, but look at the differences here. So I want to, I want to show you something because this is important for educational purposes. Small greens. Well, why would guys find success on small greens? Because they're hitting a ton of greens, which is like basically the, um, the path that Paul Casey was taking where he was gaining a stroke per round on approach on small greens, or even like John Rahm, who was gaining 1.3 in the ball striking categories and Roy McIlroy who's gaining 1.4. That's not what Reed does. Reed does it via the short game. In fact, small greens, he's gaining a half a stroke around the greens and another nearly half a stroke with the putter. So you're talking about, okay, He's doing it different than everybody else. If this is a short game contest, and in fact, let's just do small green sorted by around the green and guys with a sizable, with a good enough sample size, Patrick Reed, Siwoo Kim, Shane Lowry, Jordan Spieth, Patrick Cantlay, because their short games are so darn good. So just kind of a couple different paths to get there. I think that's important to note. All right, so let's get back to this $8,000 range here. And, um, you know, Billy Horschel's coming off of a win. Man, this is this is stacked. So full disclosure, um, I'm entering this week with uh, three futures tickets uh, for the U.S. Open, Things that I, guys that I bet on prior to the week starting, a future. Uh, two of them are in this range. One is Daniel Berger. The other one is Tony Finau. So I can talk you through those guys. The third guy is Patrick Reed. If you've been following along um, to the channel, I've, I've told you, all of that. So those are the three bets I'm going into the week with. So let's start with, um, man, th this is a stacked range. I love Fitzpatrick, love Berger, love Burns, love Finau. Don't mind Max Homa at all. Like this is a very, I mean, Joaquin Neiman. This is, it's a beautiful range. It's a really beautiful range. Um, let's start with Berger and go from there. Okay. So last time we saw him, he gains five strokes on approach at the Memorial, finishes T5, finds the putter again. Really good sign. There was this time here where you see the red on rickrungood.com. I mean, he was dealing with that back injury. Remember, it was just like lingering and he wasn't playing well and we didn't know if he was hurt or not or what was going on, but it stifled his play for some time. And now you're starting to see kind of that more well-rounded version of Daniel Berger again. And when Daniel Berger is, is going well, he's a great approach player. I mean, you can see some of these gains even with that stretch where he lost four out of five weeks in uh, approach play, he's basically gained, oh my God, like 25 of his last 31 starts, something absolutely outrageous like that. And his short game is a bit fickle. There are weeks where he'll gain three and a half. There's, there's weeks that'll gain two or lose two and a half. It's just kind of all over the place. Same with the putter. That's okay. I'm, I'm kind of okay with that being the volatile side of his game and seeing if he can just find some... Um, uh, find a ceiling week. 
Finau's Finau to me is maybe the one, you know, if you could just remove the fact that he has not won nearly as much as everyone thinks he should, this is setting up to be a really, really beautiful week for Tony Finau. So, um, let's go back. Let's go back. What was the flaw of Tony Finau earlier this year and for honestly the, the majority of his career? Well, around the green not very good and always liable to lose a ton of strokes with the putter. And that was, that was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Evident for the, the first half or first almost half first 40% of 2022. And you can see around the green, he lost strokes around the green, every event from the American express to the masters, like eight straight events. He has not lost since. Okay. So plus three and a half at Mexico, plus three at the Wells Fargo, plus two at the PGA, the tiniest gain at Colonial, and then three and a half again last week. Look at the putter. Okay, from the Tour Championship of last year to the Players' Championship uh, of this year, he gained with the putter once, like one out of 10 starts. He's lost with the putter once in his last eight starts. Okay, he. Th- this is what, you, when you look at the box scores, right? And it's it's hard, like, you know, golf is not played in a spreadsheet. Baseball is not pr- played in a spreadsheet, all that fun stuff. But when you see this and then you match it to the results and you say, wow, since he's, quote, figured it out, he's got a runner-up in Mexico. He hasn't missed a cut since the players. He finished runner-up last week, T4 the week before that. Tony's finding something. Tony's found something. And I'll tell you what, it's actually a little bit unfair he didn't win last week because 18 strokes gained, which is what he gains on the field at the RBC Canadian Open, that wins a lot of events. The average winner on the PGA Tour wins at like 15 strokes gained. So so Tony played great last week, could have easily have won that event, um, finishes solo second. I'm I'm very excited. I have a 50 to one ticket on him. I, there might be a reset, and and you guys might be able to get better or similar numbers. I don't know what he is right now, but that is very very appealing. Um, you know, I, I probably don't need to spend too much time on on Sam Burns. Sam Burns has been phenomenal. Sam Burns rides heaters, right? This this new crop of golfer, they they find momentum in wins, and they want to play again. You know, he wins at. Charles Schwab takes a week off and backs it up with a T4 at the Canadian Open. We saw that earlier in his career, too. He's just a very solid, mentally sound guy. He might have led the field in approach play last week. Let me just confirm this. He did by two, nearly two and a half strokes on approach. Sam Burns gained 9.4. Lost strokes off the tee. Can you believe it? Wow. Such good metrics here. So I, I'm I'm going to get and then and then Matt Fitzpatrick, who I won't even I won't even bother you with. I ha- actually no, I will. It's the U.S. Open, and there's a lot of new people here because if you've been following my videos, I have just been so stoked with what Fitzpatrick has been up to. Um, look at the off the tee numbers. He gained five strokes off the tee last week. Five, count them. Five. That was second in the field only to Justin Thomas. He gained more than Tony Finau and Rory McIlroy and everyone not named Justin Thomas. Matt Fitzpatrick is the real deal off the tee. Absolutely the real deal. Oh, these results are so good. He just piles up top 10s and top 20s. And now at a major championship, you're getting soft pricing on him. This $8,000 range, I will have as much exposure as humanly possible in this $8,000 range. I think I think it's where a lot of the big money contests um, will, will be won and lost. $7,000 range. 
fascinating, fascinating stuff here. Uh, this is the range that I probably want to start looking for other formats like like Jock Market, for example. Jock Market is, is stock market DFS. And I want to start looking for guys that, um, you know, like the 7K range, yeah, maybe the winner comes out of there. But the US Open has historically, you know, it, it's such a hard field. Think about the last five winners we've gotten. They're absolute studs. I start to look for guys like, hey, where can I find value and maybe not these guys winning? Like Mito Pereira, for example, um, you know, his last 10 markets, he's won you money in eight of them. You can usually, you could average his IPO at 492. His average payout's been $8 a share. They've guaranteed payouts for share price here, um, which is what makes this fun. So basically, golfers just have to outperform their expectation. So, for example, Keith Mitchell last Wednesday sold for $6.69 a share. His payout was $13 a share based on his finishing position. So he made you $6.31 a share. That's um, that that's it. So you can make a lot of money on like Jonas Blix, dead like Chase Seifer and these guys that are not necessarily going to win you the golf tournament. So two things, use the code Rick. It's a hundred to it's $100 instant deposit match. My thing says 50 there. That's wrong. It's actually a hundred. And uh, we have a power hour on Wednesday night, 8 15 PM Eastern time. Come join Joe Idoni and myself. I will take you through the final moments of IPO. And then I will be getting on a plane to head to Brookline, the red eye, baby. Let's go. So here's Mito. And you look at these results. So no wins, but this returns you a lot of money in a lot of situations, 17th, third, seventh, and 13th in his last four starts. But the guy that has my full attention is Tommy Fleetwood. He's $7,700. And since the start of the calendar year, we're seeing really good kind of vintage Tommy lad, right? I mean, he's just been piling up top 25 finishes. The ball striking numbers are there, but even more impressively, look at what he's doing around the greens. Once, once in 2022, has he lost strokes around the green? It was the AT&T Byron Nelson. He lost two and a half. He also lost three putting that week. Wasn't a good week for him. Everything else, green, green across the board. He's consistent. He's got the skill sets that I like. He He's just one of these guys, right? You know, US Opens. Like, let's look at his US Open history. T50 last year, missed the cut in 2020. T65, he's got a runner-up in the fourth and a 27th. I actually thought it was better than that. <laughs> I thought it was better than that. I don't know why he was coming in with... I thought it was, I was thinking he was coming in with three straight top tens. Is that Xander? Who was I thinking about? Yeah, Xander's got five straight top sevens. That's just goofy. That's absolutely insane. Maybe that's what I was thinking about. But still, Tommy Ladd, uh, I, I just love the way love the way he's playing. Sung J.M., like this, look at these gaps in the cheat sheet. You never see this from Sung Jay, right? You just never see gaps. He got, he plays every single week, but he had COVID and travel restrictions. He had to get out. He missed the PGA championship. He's picked up right where he left off. 15th at the Charles Schwab, 10th at the Memorial. The ball striking numbers are there. Everything you love to see. And this is the first real range where there's a ton of guys. There's 40 guys in this range. So let's just start looking at this from a data perspective. Last 24 rounds, Davis Riley, by far the best player in this range. Fourth, fifth, ninth, 13th, fourth, and 13th. That is six consecutive top 13 finishes. One of them was a major championship. There's been a couple of other uh, good events in there as well. The Memorial was a, was a T13. It's been so impressive what he's been up to. Mito Pereira is number two. Corey Connors is number three. Let's look at approach play specifically. That goes to Kevin Na, believe it or not. This is, this is shocking to me. So Kevin Na has missed his last three cuts at U.S. Opens. And I don't know what to do with his... I don't think it was a very good finish at Live last week. Let me look. Yeah, T33. 
Like, am I supposed to be thrilled about a T33? Like, I, I don't know. I, I guess not. But it's kind of hard to judge those events. But look at the rest of this. You know, since the Masters, he's been so good on approach. Plus nine, plus four, plus six, plus three, plus 7.8. And he still has the short game, right? You, you kind of set up nah for this being kind of a short game specialist situation, but that's not really what he's been. Now he's got to keep it in play off the tee. He's been horrible off the tee. If he can keep it in play, if he can lose a stroke off the tee, a stroke over four rounds, I think Kevin Nock could be in contention. Uh, and if a live golf guy wins or contends at the U.S. Open, it, it's it's um, it's gonna be scary stuff. It'll be good for business, though. I guess it'll be good for you know clicks and people talking about it. But um, it's it's not. I don't believe it's out of the realm of possibilities for Kevin Na and and also for Patrick Reed, who's also in this range, right? You know, Patrick Reed, he popped up on all those small green around the green like that path to victory is a really good one for Patrick Reed. I wouldn't be surprised at all. So so Reeds and Nas and Fleetwood and um you know Mito Pereira or Sung J like th this is also a very stacked range. So I'm going to kind of spread it out a little bit see you know how I can best uh get exposure to these guys and and really what I'll probably do is I'll let the Ownership dictate a lot of decisions here um, because I think by the time we get to, you know, even Tuesday, there's going to be enough to to, uh, to go with ownership. And we're going to be able to see, okay, uh, Sung Jam, very popular, for example, or maybe Taylor Gooch is not at popular at all, or nobody's going to Davis Riley because he's a rookie and he doesn't have a ton of major championship experience. So we're going to let this kind of figure itself out over the course of the week, but it's, it's, it's jam packed. And if you remove ownership, you know, the guys that I mentioned are the ones that I'm that I'm certainly most focused on. The 6K range. Um, I am not a particularly big uh, Francesco Molinari fan, but played well at the Memorial, finished 26th, 17th at the Byron Nelson. He's made three cuts in a row. One of them was the PGA Championship. Look at his last three trips to the U.S. Open. Didn't play it in 2020. Had a 13th, a 16th, and a 25th. When 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 conditions get harder. That is when I like Francesco Molinari. He's likely to keep it in play. He gains more fairways um, than than his peers. He loses distance, but I'm not sure that's suit. Like this isn't going to be a, a souped up 8,000 yard U.S. Open. It's going to be like what what did I say 7,400, and it could play shorter than that. And a lot of that is eaten up on 14 and some of the longer th uh, threes. Like I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to overpower Francesco Molinari. I will admit I'm not super excited about this $6,000 range, you know, kind of hoping that maybe the model that we put together um, in a second here can, can help me find some more guys. But th this is not a particular, I mean, Bo's been great or good, I shouldn't say great, but he's made four cuts in a row, right? 32nd at the Memorial, 21st at the Charles Schwab, made the cut at the PGA, 17th at the Byron Nelson. But man, it's not a particularly great range. I'll just I'll just be honest with you. Um, you know, Mackenzie Hughes, when things get hard, I, I think Mackenzie Hughes, because he's kind of a short game specialist, becomes interesting and he's made three of his last five cuts. He finished 28th last week. That's not bad. 
uh, Scott Songs, who played his way into the, like qualified for this, which a lot of these guys did, qualified for this event, finished fourth and twenty fifth in two of his last four starts. I don't mind that, but but honestly, I will I will likely be avoiding a lot of this group. It's just not. It's just not doing it for me. Let's see if the model can find some others. Okay, custom model here at rickrungood.com. You enter your parameters and you can create lineups this way as well. A couple of notes, uh, this these buttons at the top, download parameters, upload parameters, those are back. So you can really upload anything you want. If you want to simulate lineups or, or optimize lineups based on uh, golfer's weight, or whatever calculation you want, do it. You can upload it. The other thing is you can now lock a golfer. So you can lock a golfer in if you'd like, which is nice. And uh, plenty more updates coming as well. Okay, let's do last six, uh, 20 rounds. And I like what I've done in the past, which is kind of create my own little strokes gain total. Talk about each one of these, um, you know, metrics or, or facets of the game together. So, off the tee, I think is going to be important, but not, well, I don't want it to be like over 25%, right? So if we say each facet, off the tee approach, around the green putting, you know, if they were equally as important, I would say, you know, 25 weights on all of them, but I'd split them up into different things. So let's put um, tw- 10 on driving distance and 10 on driving accuracy. So that means off the tee is going to be 20% of our model and I'm splitting it up into kind of like a total driving category. I guess I could also do strokes gained off the tee. No, you know what? Actually, I don't want to do that. I want to be long is good, but I, I want to be a little bit more accurate at a, at a US Open. So we'll put 25 and it'll be uh, 10 on distance and 15 on accuracy. Then on approach play. Uh, I'm going to go to strokes gained approach and I'm going to say this is 30. Then I'm going to say for around the green, um, I'm going to do 15 around the green and 15 on sand saves, which leaves me with 15 for strokes gained putting. Now, this is my, you know, Monday run, my early in the week run. I think if I was really looking to make a lot of lineups, what I would probably do is create um a couple of different paths here. Maybe one set would be more lean on approach play and the other one would lean on uh, uh short game, but this is going to get us a fairly well-rounded golfer here that I think will fit well at the Country Club. And my number one golfer is Oh, mama, Rory McIlroy to go back to back, which by the way, if he does win the Canadian Open, win the US Open, that is two legs of the Triple Crown. Yeah, you know about the Grand Slam, but do you know about the Triple Crown? The Triple Crown is the Canadian Open, the US Open, and the British Open, aka the Open Championship. Oh, Rory. My number two golfer, and this shouldn't surprise us based on what we just saw, is Kevin Na. Am I really going to be invested in Kevin Na? It seems that way. Makes me sick a little bit. Oh my gosh. Justin Thomas, 10,900 is next. Number three, Xander four, Cam Smith five, Davis Riley six, Sungjae seven, Tony Finau is eight, Matt Fitzpatrick is nine, Harold Varner the third, Shane Lowry, and Jordan Spieth. 11 and 12. I love that top 12. When I look at the top 12, I have to say 
is Xander flying under the radar for me because I didn't spend a lot of oxygen on him. I just kind of passed him up because, yeah, he's been great and everybody knows he's been great. Kevin Na, am I really going to lose that much money on him? We're going to see. Davis Riley, do I trust him at major championships? He's a rookie. He's playing great. Um, who else? That's basically it. Those are the only question mark. I, lo- I, love the- I love the rest of the player pool there. I love that. So I could use this and I could generate lineups or I could continue to tweak, but that is a very, very fun little player pool for me. Those 12, that first 12. I like that a lot. So I'll mix this up. I'll run some more later in the week. We can talk about it in, in future videos and on the live chat, but I could not be any more stoked about this week, about the state of golf, about me getting out there, me meeting you guys. I, I'm absolutely thrilled about it. I guess let's just do it. Tweet me at Rick Rungood. Leave a comment below. Best of luck this week. Talk to you guys soon.